0: Hello and welcome to the Being Well podcast. My name's Forrest Hansen. In our last episode, we began talking about the strength of gratitude, particularly focusing on thankfulness. Today, we're going to concentrate on the aspect of gratitude that is taking pleasure, fully appreciating the good things that happen in life. I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Rick Hansen. So, Dad, what did you mean by taking pleasure?
1: The reason I focused on it is super pragmatically Mm -hmm. in that uh, in our effort to develop greater resilience inside as an engine of greater well-being inside, I'm looking for anything that will help. And one of the things that helps tremendously, which people actually routinely don't use, Mm. is letting themselves have an experience of pleasure. In terms of the primal machinery architecture of the nervous system, animals, including big complicated animals like us, that have moments of pleasure, experience immediate stress relief. And I find it poignant and ironic that so many people in the developed and developing parts of the world that have many opportunities every day to experience one kind of pleasure or another, don't slow down for that four second pit stop Mm -hmm. and actually refuel themselves right then and there. So Mm -hmm. I thought it was a great thing to focus on. Plus, it tends to be motivating when people start doing it because it's pleasurable. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So it's not about the, as you describe it in the book, the million-dollar moments. It's just about those kind of everyday occurrences where something small and nice happens, and we take an extra second to focus on it.
1: Yeah. It's a little bit like people saying, whoa, I'm hungry, or whoa, I'm malnourished, Mm -hmm. and they're surrounded by all these little, I don't know what it comes to mind here, oatmeal cookies. <laughs> and they may not be the, it's not a big chocolate cake, yeah. and yet they're surrounded by oatmeal cookies, little mm-hmm. opportunities to eat something good, uh, in a sense, little opportunities to take in a pleasure. Could you give an example of this? Yeah. Well, I think of often people I've worked with or known who are just getting a lot of things done over the course of a day. Mm-hmm. Parent, raising children, people who have a long day of work when you throw the commute in and they kind of move through their day and they don't experience much pleasure along the way. Mm -hmm. They get stuff done. It's an ordinary life. Maybe there's some moments of pleasure here or there, like being able to hang out with friends at lunch or eat that cookie in the afternoon maybe. But otherwise it's kind of a grind. So Mm -hmm. when I think of an ordinary life like that, I think, well, wait a second here. You wake up in the morning and there's the opportunity to feel the pleasure of lying in a bed. Just mm-hmm. the bed you lie in is probably better than the bed that King Louis Fourteenth had. <laughs> sure. right? Yeah. So then, then you have the cloth against your cheek. Oh, it feels so nice. And then you get up and there's maybe a sense of pleasure in your body as you sort of move. And then you stand up and you look down and you see the floor. Oh, nice hardwood floor, which we have. Or, oh, carpet. Or, oh... Uh, this carpet, this rug that my feet can step on feels nice and warm and cozy mm-hmm. and soft rather than hard and cold. And that's only the first two minutes after you woke up. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that a person should flag the pleasure in every single one of those. But if you just think about it, right there, so many opportunities. Uh, you walk into the, let's say, bathroom, wash your hands, wash your face. Water comes out. Oh, water. The feeling of water falling over your hands. You don't need a fancy faucet or... Fancy chrome to have the feeling of water falling over your hands. That's a pleasure. And now we're three minutes or four minutes into your day. On and on and on and on and on. on. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm kind of getting at. And it seems just wasting. You know, we're wasting so many opportunities to feel good for its own sake. And in the process of experiencing that pleasure to repair our bodies and build up layers of resilience, really, in the body for when there isn't much pleasure, and times are really hard. So just to speak to
0: what you just said there, those pleasures buffer us in some way against more unpleasant experiences or more difficult challenges. Mm -hmm. How does that work psychologically, or is that just sort of more of an intuitive, oh, you know, if in general you have a lot of opportunities to feel good about stuff, when you feel bad about stuff, it bothers you less?
1: So the first thing is, when we focus on pleasure, Mm -hmm. it helps disengage us from unpleasant emotions, negative stimuli that we may tend to brood about. Mm, Due mm-hmm. to the negativity bias, we can become, in the technical term, stimulus bound We're bound to that anxious preoccupation or that resentment or that recurring self-criticism. And in the moment of pleasure, we become unbound. We become disentangled from that negative stimulus and our reactions to it. And that unbinding or disentangling. Uh, leads to a greater uh, leads to a reduction of stress in the body, mm-hmm. which then stops wearing and tearing the immune system, the cardiovascular system, the gastrointestinal system, and the endocrine system, the hormonal system. Right then and there, a second benefit of pleasure is that as we experience pleasure, that itself tends to calm the body, and the repetitive experience of that kind of calming that returning to a sense of centeredness through the pathway of pleasure can be increasingly internalized. So we start uh, establishing a greater resting state of calm well-being through the internalization of repeated experiences of pleasure. And then the last way is that pleasure leaves traces behind in memory, Mm -hmm. sensory memory, or emotional memory, uh, or intellectual uh, memory, because pleasure can be intellectual too. Some of the, greatest pleasures, actually, weirdly, of my life were when I finally figured something out in math. Point is, when we have pleasure, we can learn from it. We can, we can build up a, a substrate of feeling pleasured in life mm. and memories that we can also pull up later. We can pull up memories of pleasure and be uh, relieved and reassured and renewed by them uh, when we do that. Uh, down the road. And in general, as we internalize repeatedly, in a sense, the somatic memory, the emotional memory of pleasure, then we start moving through life increasingly feeling already pleasured, which besides just the benefits to well-being and feeling already pleasured, helps us face situations better in which there's little pleasure to be had. mm mm-hmm. So there's a wide variety
0: of benefits to internalizing the little pleasures that come along in everyday life. If that's the case, and also if pleasure feels good kind Mm -hmm. of on its own, then why is it that it seems like there are many people who struggle with taking pleasure?
1: Yeah. Or they're aware of the stimulus, but they don't feel anything. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's a term for that that's important to be aware of, anhedonia. Hmm. In other words, not hedonia. I knew someone who was sitting there in the mall and the trifecta was happening. Uh, She was eating ice cream with her young child in a mall, and she didn't feel anything. Hmm. And that's when she knew that she was depressed. Mm -hmm. The loss of pleasure and things once enjoyable is a hallmark uh, symptom or characteristic of depression. So if people do have that sense deep down inside that they're just not enjoying life like they used to. Or things that used to be delightful don't move the needle very much anymore. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they move the needle very briefly, but then what feels like a kind of gravitational force comes in that drags a person down, that's a flag to really consider depressed mood, which could be the result of multiple things, not necessarily clinical depression, could Mm -hmm. simply be the result of some low-grade illness or some other reason, Uh, but it's a real flag. So first off, many people have limits in their capacity to experience pleasure that are due to some sort of underlying problematic factor. That's one major reason. Another major reason is that, honestly, it's just a habit. People zoom. Mm -hmm. They zoom past the pleasure. It's not any deeper than that. Mm -hmm. It's just the habit of chasing, as you put it so well, the next shiny object. And then a third major reason is that some people are quite inhibited about having or being seen to be having pleasure, especially more sensual pleasure, sometimes even erotic pleasure. Mm -hmm. And there are different reasons for that internal inhibition on the experience or display of pleasure um, having to do with personal history. Uh, For Mm -hmm. example, ways families are around children and the things that kids do that are pleasurable for them, not just about sex, but just making messes or being exuberant or mm-hmm. messing around and, and breaking something in the process. Yeah, sure. Uh, so the, the shutdown message comes in. More generally, uh, people uh, often are raised in cultures or um, you know, maybe related to gender in which they're socialized to believe that they are not allowed to or it would be shameful if they experienced a certain pleasure or let it be known that they really enjoyed a particular thing it's useful, really, to finish, for people to look inside themselves and go, wow, for all the ways in which we live in a supposedly hedonistic and pleasure-seeking society, do I really let myself have pleasure? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a pretty powerful point, because
0: to me, there's a difference between a materialistic society or a society of excess And one really more of sort of appreciation, which you might say, because Mm. I do think that, and and this has been a running theme throughout many of these episodes, whether it be that difference between means and ends, or it be the idea that we want to avoid feeling a thing that's good because other people in the world are feeling a thing that's bad, whatever it might be, where we might pursue something that seems pleasurable externally, you know, a big car, a big promotion, a big love interest, whatever it might be. But internally, we don't necessarily maximize our experience of that big, wonderful thing externally. And often, I mean, I've talked about this in the past. For me, the most fun that I often have in my day is just when I'm making my coffee in the morning. It's it's not exactly a a big million-dollar event. It's just a little thing, but it's become a real refuge for me In the flow of my day, and I really look forward to it. So I really do try to kind of maximize the experience of pleasure Mm. from that little moment.
1: Yeah. I love the distinction you just drew there Mm. for us between a consumption society and an appreciation society. Totally. And just because it's a consumption society doesn't mean it's an appreciation society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. And I think that that's something that we struggle with sometimes in
0: the language around this stuff because it is so easy to just say, well, in the United States of America, we're a bunch of crazy capitalists and we're just out there to like buy the next big thing and seek the next ridiculous dessert, then yeah. we need to be kind of more honor-bound and righteous and upstanding and kind of deny <laughs> oh, ourselves more all like these Puritans. oh yes, all these like earthly pleasures or whatever it might be. And for me, like I I, I think that there is an element of that perspective that is not entirely unreasonable. There are excesses that are just that. They're excessive. Mm. Um but I would say, in general, to your point, even when we have those big things, people are often not good at getting maximum value out of them.
1: Yeah. i mean, just thinking about America. It's an amazing fact that many people are not aware of, that Mm. one in five children in America lives below the poverty line. Yeah. One in four, more or less, in our state, California. Roughly a million children a year in America go homeless, with or without a parent involved. So when we talk about America as a whole, obviously, there are many, as you well know, many people left out of that generalization. Yeah. But that said, just to your point, I think you're saying by implication that if people increase their appreciation, mm-hmm. they may be able to reduce their consumption. Yeah, And absolutely. therefore, their footprint on the planet.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there are a lot of cascading benefits to being able to kind of find some basic level of happiness, even mm-hmm. in very normal moments that are really available to all of us throughout our day-to-day lives. That was maybe a little bit of a digression, but I think that it's an interesting conversation. So those were some of the ways that people struggle with taking pleasure, some of the blocks that people have to internalizing those everyday pleasures. In that context, how can we get better at taking pleasure? How can we get better at finding and internalizing those little moments?
1: There I want to call out the work of Fred Bryant, And his colleagues who did really groundbreaking work on the notion of savoring. Mm. And uh, Bryant pointed out that there are different kinds of ways to savor the experience and different kinds of experiences to savor. But he did a lot of, and he continues to do, a lot of great research on this fundamental topic. So I like that word savor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I use uh, sometimes different termina- terminology that's kind of for me a little more intuitive, like marinating in uh, some kind of luscious, delicious experience. So one of the things that a person can do is scan for things that are pleasurable mm-hmm. right off the top and, and also be open to seeing them. So you are sitting here in a room, looking around the room, can see a lovely curve of the knobs on a dresser or your lovely face for us, or uh, the sound of your laughter. The -hmm. point is, to your coffee example, it doesn't have to be the Mona Lisa or the Taj Mahal or the Matterhorn. It can be something really, really simple. So number one, make it a priority in a day to look for opportunities to experience pleasure and even to open up the categories. It's fairly straightforward to say, okay, I'm going to look for sweets. All right, fine. But what about um, experiencing the pleasure in watching or being aware of your own mind working well, your Mm -hmm. own intellect Mm -hmm. processing information, solving problems, figuring things out, or maybe take pleasure in an internal sense of humor, a kind of a bit of a joke inside yourself or a bit of snark inside yourself. Mm -hmm. Just something there too, which could be an opportunity for pleasure. So scan for pleasure. Opportunities for pleasure, rather. And then second, as you uh, see that available stimulus for pleasure, let yourself feel pleasure. And it sounds so obvious, but I cannot tell you the number of people, uh, myself included, who will see something that is lovely or enjoyable or potentially pleasurable or be aware of something like that, and they won't feel anything. So second, let yourself feel something. And third, when you do experience the pleasure, let yourself have it. Be aware of any inhibition against experiencing pleasure or inhibition against uh, intensifying the pleasure or being seen visibly to be really enjoying yourself and see if you can let that inhibition go so you can really allow that experience of pleasure to be internalized into you. That's great. For me, one of the purest opportunities that I've had to
0: experience different kinds of pleasures have been in my interactions with other people. And I think that what we've been pointing to a lot here are kind of external sense pleasures. Mm -hmm. You know, you see the curve of the faucet, you feel the thing under your feet, you make the coffee, whatever it might be, which is, sure, a a wonderful source of pleasure in that it's readily available to everyone. You can always find, or maybe not always, but you can very often find some form of sense pleasure. To me, often a deeper level of true like fulfillment comes in my dealings with other people.
1: You are reminding me of one of the most powerful, haunting Mm. moments of my life. And you're exactly right that the pleasure of being with others, think about the pleasure in being with your little child Mm. or Mm -hmm. pleasure of hanging out with your cat. And how neat that is. And it's an interpersonal pleasure. It's Mm -hmm. a social pleasure, we feel. The pleasure of being liked or the pleasure of liking. Uh, And uh, that's a wonderful pleasure. So the the story here is that I was about 21 and I was in a kind of an internship program. Mm -hmm. And one of the things we did is we went to a very, very large residential facility for people who were severely developmentally disabled who often also had serious sensory issues too or Mm -hmm. motor issues too, like for example, they couldn't walk or they were both deaf and blind. And I remember moving through this whole institution Mm -hmm. being progressively weighed down by the realities uh, of what was there and just being kind of blown away by it. And then our small group of college students, essentially, Mm -hmm. rounded a corner. And to put it in context, our group were students who were academic achievers, and I and others were ambitious, and we were self-important. We thought we were the (laughs) bees knees, and and so on. And then we rounded the corner, and there lying in the hallway were several uh, individuals. They were Mm. profoundly disabled, even to the point of literally they they were not able to walk, Mm -hmm. and they were just lying there. And as we rounded the corner, this man looked up, saw us, and his face exploded into an enormous smile of delight, even though he didn't have the capacity to speak or to process language or to think about any of the stuff that my self-important college friends and I, also self-important, were doing. And still, he could be blown open by the simple pleasure of another human face.
0: Yeah, that's a great story. And I think
1: it's a great message
0: there about the availability of opportunities for deeply authentic, to your point, pleasure taking and pleasure finding just in the flow of everyday life. And also, it sort of echoes one of the things that we mentioned at the beginning of, of the episode, which is that it's not so much about Those moments when your life is perfect, and you know you're sitting on the beach drinking the drink or whatever it is, it's really about all of the other little moments, even inside of a deeply imperfect life. Yeah, Um, and that's really a great illustration of that. So I think that's probably a really wonderful note to end on. Actually, to give a little recap of some of the things that we talked about today, we explored the importance of taking pleasure, particularly just in the flow of everyday life, looking for the little moments that are just really nice. Whether they be sensory moments like feeling the floor underneath your feet, or for me, as a story that I told about myself, smelling your morning coffee, whatever it might be, or they're more sort of deeply um, emotional or interpersonal in nature, Uh, even whether they're reflective of your own thoughts, taking a certain amount of pleasure in working through a hard problem, Mm -hmm. or taking a moment of pleasure in a great experience with another person, or even a problematic experience with another person, but you worked through it. Mm. And there's a sense of accomplishment there. You mentioned Fred Bryant and his work on savoring, and the importance of not blowing by little experiences of pleasure that we can run into. We then spent a a minute talking about some of the blocks that people have to finding and taking pleasure, particularly particularly some of the social constructs that exist around pleasure as a hedonistic or problematic force and why, in truth, there are actually a lot of psychological benefits to finding and taking pleasure that really buffer us from the problematic things that happen in life, which is itself a reason why finding opportunities for pleasurable experiences are particularly important for people who truly do have a difficult life. And the fewer opportunities that you have to experience pleasure, the more important it becomes to seek them. So, On that note, that was today's episode on Taking Pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, we would really appreciate it. If you would leave a review, leave a comment, subscribe to the podcast through the mechanism of your choice, it really does help other people find the show, and we would be grateful if you would do that. We hope you'll join us again next week when we'll be talking about feeling successful. Until then, thanks for listening.